0: Friday we celebrated our veterans. We said thank you to those men and women who so generously and graciously provide of their strength, their talents, their gifts, and sometimes their lives to make sure that we're free. And today we say thank you to you men and women who continue to serve. Those of you who so wonderfully have provided the opportunity that we could gather in this place this morning without fear of recrimination. And freely worship our God. We say thank you for your service. Thank you for your generosity. We appreciate you and we thank God for you. We're glad you're fighting for us. The nation of Israel needed somebody to fight for them. They were blocked by the Red Sea to the east, by mountains to the south and the west, and by an enormous army of Egyptians to the north. And so they came to Moses. Seeking what they should do. Moses' answer was stop complaining and look who fights for you. It's found in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only... To be still. It's a question we all need to ask. Who is it this morning who fights for you? (laughs) You need to be sure and check. And the people of Israel didn't. Now, to be fair, they were in a very bad situation. Actually, they thought they were in a bad situation, but more on that in just a moment. In this very familiar story, God has just set the people free from their slavery in Egypt Through not only one miracle, through a series of ten miracles, the final being the plague that resulted in Pharaoh allowing them to go. In what must have been an extraordinary celebration, the entire nation of Israel sets out to the promised land. Unfortunately, the party didn't last very long. We pick up the account in verse 5 of Exodus chapter 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Egyptians looked around and said, All of our workers are gone. Who's going to make the bricks? So they decided to send their army to get them back. It's an imposing force far more than enough to defeat the Israelites and the people of Israel knew it. So they began what would be an unfortunate repetition of the same mistake over and over and over again. They blame everything on Moses. Verse 11, Then they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, not to make light of the situation. They were, after all, completely boxed in. They had nowhere to go. The Egyptian army was blocking their only route of retreat. Things, from a military perspective, looked really, really bleak. It's like in those old western movies when all the settlers are going through the canyon. And all of a sudden they're trapped by the outlaws. Even John Wayne would get worried in those situations. Fortunately, John Wayne always got him out of those situations. He had to. It was in his contract. He had to be able to get him out. Well, the Israelites didn't have a John Wayne. All they had was a criminal who was such a poor leader that he made his brother speak for him. Except they hadn't taken time to look who it was who actually fought for them. They were leaving someone out. The only one that mattered. They forgot who brought them out on this journey in the first place. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't his brother. It was the one who caused the Nile River to turn to blood. It was the one who saved their families when every other family lost their firstborn. It was the one who had done what was not possible for them. He caused the Pharaoh to let them go. Oh, and by the way, it was the one who created the entire universe with his word. They forgot who fought for them. Sometimes we forget the same thing. We get caught up in who is against us and forget the one who is for us. The Israelites were ready to choose slavery over being delivered. They forgot who it was that delivered them. Don't make that mistake. Now make sure that you're following God's will. That's important. We'll talk about that in just a moment. The Bible is the place to start for that. Look to God's word and make sure that you're where God wants you to be. When you do, you'll discover what the people of Israel discovered, that God fights for you. Now again, you need to be sure that you're standing where God wants you to be. If you're not, if you go to God's Word and you you find some areas in your life where you're not really where He wants you to be, now is a great time to move. But when we're standing where God wants us to be, when we're seeking to do His will... If your life lines up with what God's Word says, and we're not going to be perfect in that, but if your, your heart's desire is to be where God wants you to be, then you can know something. God will fight for you. That's what Moses told the nation of Israel. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Do not be afraid. How many times in the Bible do we hear that phrase? Do not be afraid. It's over 30 by my count. Why? Why does the Bible say over and over and over again, do not be afraid? Well, for one thing, we've got a lot of things to be afraid of. We have things that from our perspective seem like a really good reason to be afraid. An army of Egyptian soldiers seemed like a good reason for the Israelites to be afraid. Except they forgot who it was that fought for them. Moses tells the people to stand firm and see God's deliverance. He says, you take a good look at those Egyptians because it's the last time you're ever going to see them. And then those words that make all the difference. Moses looks at the people and he says, the Lord will fight for you. And then he tells the people to be still. The words literally mean keep quiet. It's a nice Bible way of saying stop complaining. (laughs) Now ordinarily that statement doesn't go over so well with folks. Tell somebody to quit complaining and they're just going to complain more. Unless you give them a really good reason to stop complaining. Moses gave the people of Israel the best reason of all. He looks at them and he says, the Lord will fight for you. GPS devices are wonderful, but they do have their limitations. For one thing, once you have arrived, sometimes they don't realize that. They're supposed to give you an indication that you've reached your destination. The one that we own excitedly announces arriving at destination. The problem is that the technology is not exact. Uh, For for example, sometimes the GPS forgets that you have to drive around in the parking lot a few times to find a place to park, which means that you're going to turn north and south and west and east a lot as you're driving around. And, And that confuses the GPS, so it gives that wonderful word we all know, recalculating. Over and over and over again, which typically leads us to do one of two things. You you either just ignore it completely or you finally say, enough, and you turn the thing off. The Israelites thought Moses had led them in a huge mistake. The Egyptian army is coming. We've nowhere to escape. You brought us out here to die. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. But Moses told them, wait a minute, look around. We are exactly where God has led us to be. Be still. God will fight for you. If you're under attack this morning, you need to ask yourself a question. First, am I where God wants me to be? Now, if the answer is no, the solution's pretty straightforward. You need to get where God wants you to be. If you take a look at where you are in life and and you take a look at the Bible and it's just not lining up and you recognize, you know what, Lord, I'm just not where you want me to be, then make your prayer, God, put me where you want me. Lead me to make the changes in my life that I didn't need to change so that I can be exactly in the center of your will. And God will show you. He promises that He will. James 1.5 says, this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. If you don't feel like you're where God wants you to be, God will show you where He wants you to be, and you need to get there. On the other hand, if your sincere desire is to be where God wants you to be, And to the best of your ability, and again, we're not going to be perfect in this. We're still sinful. We still fail. We still falter. But but if your sincere desire of your heart is to be where the Lord wants you to be, and you look at your life and you realize that though you've made mistakes, though you've fallen short of God's glory, you're seeking to be where the Lord wants you to be. And and right now, God has placed you here, and still you find yourself under attack. God gives you the same promise that He gave to Moses and the people of Israel. That he will fight for you. Now, it doesn't mean that you do nothing. God gives Moses and the people of Israel some very specific instructions of what they're going to need to do. Moses was going to do some things. And then the waters of the Red Sea were going to part. And the nation of Israel was going to gather all of its belongings and they were going to walk across on the dry land. That's pretty specific instructions of what they were going to need to do. It wasn't that they were going to do nothing. But that was huge evidence that God was fighting for them. When the waters part in front of you, that's a pretty good sign that God's on your side. Well, the same God who parted the Red Sea Fights for you today. God declares to you the same that He says in the Psalms. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. If you're in a battle this morning, be still and know that God fights for you. Be still and know that God fights for you. Heavenly Father, so often in life we forget the reality that you're here. We see the chaos of our world and we become afraid. But God, your word says to us the same thing that you have said over and over and over again. Be not afraid. Be still. And know that you are God. So, God, help us do that. Even right here, even right now, this morning. God, there are people here who are fighting battles. And sometimes, Lord, we, we stray from your will, and that's what the battle is all about. Is we're not where we need to be. And so, God, for those of us that are not where you want us to be, help us to get our life where you want us to be. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. Show us what you want us to do. God, help us to be willing to do it. But God, there are times in our life where we, we follow your will, and yet it seems like we're under attack. Lord, help us to realize you haven't abandoned us. Any more than you abandon the people of Israel there by the Red Sea. You're right here. And you fight for us. If we'll just remember that. We'll avoid the temptation to turn somewhere else. We'll avoid the the thought that we know better. And we will instead follow the God who fights for us. Help us, Heavenly Father, to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.